0: Hey and welcome to the short stuff. I'm Josh. There's Chuck and Dave's here sitting in on his own uh, podcast. How about that? <laughs> and this is a funeral, <laughs> right? Uh, no, definitely not. No, this is yeah. a much more happy occasion because it's an episode of Short Stuff. And what's happier than that? I agree. So Chuck, we're talking about something that you dug up. I had never heard of this, despite living in Atlanta for more than half of my life. Um, something called Atlanta's Washer women's Strike. Granted, I was not alive in the 1880s, but I'm still kind of surprised I never heard of it.
1: I had not heard of it until I went to, uh, you know, the fantastic Oakland Cemetery mm-hmm. here in Atlanta. Every Halloween, they have uh, what's called capturing the spirit of Halloween tour. Nice, and it is Oakland Cemetery is Atlanta's, you know, historic their parade de la che. Uh, where quite a few prominent people are buried, and it's our our big in-town old cemetery. And you walk around during Halloween, sure, with a drink. They serve drinks. Oh wow! In groups of like twelve to fifteen. That's nice. And, and then size. it's a good size. And what they have is I think five different stories being told by actors in costume uh, next to the graves of the people. Whose story it is. Do they tell the stories like this? (laughs) (laughs) They do, but that got really old, so we all just said, we please stop? Uh, So it's different stories every year. Um, They find different stories from the people buried there. And one of the stories was a woman who was part of this washerwoman strike. And Emily and I both were like, I'd never heard of this. What a great story. She's like, you got to do this on Stuff You Should Know. And I said, why are you telling me what to do with Stuff You Should Know? You've never even listened to Stuff You Should Know. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I'd listen to this if you ever did anything I'm interested in. Oh, hey, Emily. <laughs> she might listen to this one. So uh, I said, "That that's actually a perfect short stuff. So here we go.
0: Okay, two things. There's a documentary about Oakland Cemetery. And oh, if you watch that. it closely, our colleague Robert Lamb from Stuff to Blow Your Mind is in it. <laughs> He's, like, in, in the crowd. Surprise he, me. Uh, it's an uncredited cameo. Wow. The other thing is, Yumi and I were over there the other day to see—we uh, went to the Eastern for the first time to see a show. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Great venue. Yeah. And um, the, the whole area, it, I, w- I didn't even recognize it until I looked at the street name. I was like, oh, my God, we're, like, right by the cemetery. It's just completely changed.
1: Uh well yeah that area is definitely different over there now but it's five minutes down the road so I've seen the slow gradual uh huh change oh to me it was
0: like night and day
1: well yeah I guess when you don't go by there I'm a little offended that you didn't you were that close and you didn't come by and like throw a a paper bag full of poop on my doorstep and <laughs> light it on fire
0: no we were in and out Momo wasn't with us which means we have three hours we don't leave her in her crate for longer than <laughs> three hours so we had three hours to get there and back and um, we got to see most of a Violent femme show which was really really good. Um, and we just didn't have time. Yumi was we like, don't. should we? And I was like, we just don't have time.
1: <laughs> well, the only better end was just like, oh, we got to miss the encore, but I got to go throw this bag of <laughs> shit at exactly Chuck's Exactly
0: right. So, okay, back to it, Chuck. We understand where this idea came from. Thank you, Emily. But let's tell everybody about it because this was a huge, um, a watershed moment, you could say, in um, the history of labor in Atlanta, which sounds way more boring than it actually is.
1: Yeah, and big thanks to uh, Washington Post. has a great article on this and a uh, – I can't remember the website, but a very pro-union website.
0: I think it was the uh, AFL-CIO website, for real.
1: Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, So uh, to paint a picture of Atlanta in the 1880s, it was a city trying to be uh, sort of the big thing in the South, which it ended up being. But at the time, it was still on its way and had unpaved streets and – You know, it wasn't quite where it needed to be, but politicians wanted to sort of send message to the North, like, hey, Atlanta's ripe for business down here. We got a lot of uh, labor down here that you don't have to pay much. It's not too far after the Civil War. Wink, wink, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And bring your business down here.
0: Yeah. Um, Like, this was a huge push at the time because the South was still, you know, under reconstruction and rebuilding. Um, And at the time... There was something like 98 percent of black working women because, again, these were uh, emancipated enslaved people, but they weren't being paid very much. They weren't being treated very well. And one of the most prominent um, occupations of black working women was uh, to be a a laundress or a washerwoman. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because it was not fun work at all. All And the washerwomen who were performing this this, uh, work, this service, were paid so little that even, like, generally poor white families could afford to hire a local black laundress to do the laundry for the family.
1: Yeah, they didn't have – up north, they already had, um, like, professional cleaning, uh, industrialized cleaning businesses for clothing. But there were – you know, manufactured cloth had come along. There were just a lot more clothes now. And uh like you said, if you had if you had any extra money as a family, one of the first things you might do is to pay for your clothes to be done. Uh, because it was you know, they this didn't have washing machines. You had to like wash clothes by hand, you had to boil clothes, you had to iron them with irons that you uh heated up by fire and hang them up all over the place to dry. So These uh, these young women were, you know, they started work anywhere from, you know, 10 to 12, 13, 14 years old. And they basically worked for the next 50 years doing this kind of work for four to eight dollars a month.
0: And that today is one hundred and sixteen to two hundred and thirty two dollars a month, which it doesn't matter what time you live in. That is not enough to live on. And yet there are a lot of um, black moms, especially a lot of black single moms. Uh, who managed to eke out a life for them and their families from those wages just by working really, really hard. Because as you progressed and became better at it, it's not like you started making more money. The way to make more money was to work harder and harder and to take on more and more clients, right? Um, So one of the things about this this profession, though, I I think attracted so many black women was it was one of the most autonomous professions around. Like, yeah. if you were a washerwoman, you didn't answer to anybody but yourself. It was one of the first ways that you could be an independent business person uh, in the South after the Civil War and um, th- that w- that was really uh, important to a lot of the workers, especially because they had just been you know freed from being slaves. like they had literally been slaves just you know a couple a couple of years before, and now they're able to run their own lives and run their own business as washerwomen
1: yeah and notably they did this work at their own homes, so they made their own uh, washing soap they would get the clothes dropped off on a Monday and then they would dr- do everything all week long and then drop the clothes back off on a Saturday mm-hmm. so they're at least they're at home they're doing this work uh, it is tough backbreaking work but like you said, it provided some autonomy uh but the wages weren't going anywhere, which set up uh set the stage basically for the summer of eighteen eighty one. And I think we should take a break and talk about what happened.
0: Agreed.
2: Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now.
1: All right. So now we're in uh, the summer of 1881, super hot in Atlanta, hot doing this kind of work. And 20 of these washerwomen, they met up and they said, all right, here's what we need to do. Our money's going nowhere. Uh, The only way to get more is to work harder and to add more accounts. So let's form a trade organization. Uh, They called it the Washing Society. And let's see if we can get a little more respect. And a little more autonomy, and more than anything, let's see if we can get some some sort of codified higher pay uh, to the tune of about a dollar per twelve pounds of wash.
0: Yeah, so um, this was enormous. Like this was a huge deal. This is 1881 in Atlanta, and black women were meeting and saying, "Let's let's basically form a a, a cartel, essentially a washer cartel," and um, they set up the Washing Society. And started canvassing door to door because, remember, there were a lot of laundresses working in the town at the time. And um, they managed to grow from that first 20 to 3,000 members of this washing society in three weeks just from going door to door. And even more impressive, Chuck, they included white women, too, right?
1: Yeah, which, you know, this is 1881. That is not something that you saw happening a Mm -hmm. lot, especially in the Deep South. So even though 2% of these laundresses were white, they included them, got 3,000 women together, uh, went on strike. Uh, I think about 10 days into the strike, uh, the cops got involved. Um, they arrested six of the leaders and basically said, uh, hey, you know, you've been harassing people with this door-to-door campaign. <laughs> so we're going to charge you with disorderly conduct and quarreling and <laughs> charge you these fines that are like – I think one of these women – Sarah A Collier was um and I wish I could remember the name of the woman at the cemetery. I looked it up, but they took all that down after Halloween, but uh that rings a bell. It may have been her, but she was fined twenty dollars, which was uh I mean what like four like almost half a year's pay,
0: yeah, depending on how much she made, but definitely three to three to five months' pay. Um, and I could not find out why she was fined twenty and other ones were fined five dollars. but this this the purpose that these women had behind their movement was enough that that Sarah Collier said, "I'm not paying that. And They said, "Well, you're going to go work on a chain gang, forty nine year old asthmatic mother of two. And she did for forty days. And that's Jeez. the kind of thing that other people look at and find genuine inspiration from. And that really helped. I think, kind of solidify this is if even more than it was already.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the city council comes along. They say, all right, if you want to be a member of this washerwoman organization, then you have to pay the city a $25 annual fee. And also, if you want to start a, a commercial laundry, like so we can put them out of business, we'll give you a nonprofit tax exempt status even. Yeah, so we can, yeah, so we can drive them out of their work. And you know what these women did is they said so twenty five dollars is that's definitely half a year's wage. Right. They wrote a letter to the mayor and said, you know what, fine, we'll pay it. Yeah, we're not going it. We're not going anywhere. We're not washing any more clothes. We'll pay your organizational fee and what do you think about that
0: and the mayor his monocle popped right off his face as he was reading <laughs> that letter right and they said in his, okay in his dirty shirt yeah <laughs> right there's like flies buzzing around uh-huh. him so um it's not entirely clear what happened afterward Um, But from from what it seems is that the city council backed down and they said, "Okay, well, we're not going to try to run you out of business. We're not going to arrest anybody anymore. And a few weeks went by and there was this really big deal thing that was coming along, the International Cotton Exposition, which sounds old timey and backwards. And it was. But it qualified essentially as a World's Fair that drew 200,000 visitors to Atlanta, which only wow. had 40,000 people who lived there at the time. So it was a Holy big cow. deal. And the city boosters who were trying to lure northern companies down south were really on edge about this. This had to go really well because this is Atlanta's chance to show it was the capital of the new south now.
1: Well, and in this interim time period, the the washerwoman organization, word gets around and all of a sudden you have other domestics, you have cooks and you have house cleaners and maids and even nurses that were like, wait a minute, you know, our wages aren't going up either. We want more money. Uh, there was an actual another strike. Hotel workers went on strike, yeah. which was a really big deal if you have 200,000 people coming to your small town. right? And employers basically were like, we don't have replacement workers this time. Like this is an entire workforce of people. That are saying they want more money and we can't just say, fine, we'll just hire someone else this time. So the city council the next week uh, got together. uh, They struck down those $25 fees and they got their wages raised. They won.
0: Yeah, I think they also gained control of the washing industry in Atlanta so that they couldn't be put out of business by commercial um, companies, laundries anymore great story it is it's really cool because these women just basically said hey we're you can't treat us disrespectfully anymore we're not slaves anymore we're business women and we're washing your laundry which you Mm -hmm. don't want to do so you better treat us better and the south at least atlanta uh, responded essentially that's right yeah good for them that was a good one thanks emily
1: (laughs) she's gonna gloat about that so
0: yeah well uh (laughs) chuck doesn't have anything i don't have anything and emily's gloating which means short stuff is out